Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking all about sexuality. And yes, sex is included in that, but sexuality is a much, much broader topic. And we're going to be talking specifically about our relationship to sexuality. So with me today, I have an expert by the name of Dr. Juliana Hauser, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's also a licensed professional counselor and a mom. She writes sex positive education programs for her own business, and we're going to talk a lot more about her own business, and also for Planned Parenthood. She's run a halfway house for women in recovery. She's worked with sexual abuse survivors and abusers. That's interesting. And also provides therapy for individuals, families, and for couples. So welcome, Juliana. I'm so happy to have you here with us. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. So before we jump in, so I want to get to your story, but just to set it up properly, how do you define sexuality? Because I think it's just become synonymous with sex, but it's so much bigger than that. So how do you define sexuality? So in one sentence, I say sexuality is the essence of who we are. But usually people are like, what are you talking about when you <laughs> right. say it? Like, that's not even right. close to what we're taught. But that's how I boil it down. That sexuality, when you understand it in a holistic way, yeah. is really the story of you. And it's like my belief system is one of the reasons why we're here is to connect with other people, to have connection mm. in earth. And the way to have meaningful connection is to know who you are. And if you know who you are as a sexual being, then you really can show up authentically in all areas of your life. Our sexuality is often the purest part of us, but we have so many things that are put onto it. It doesn't feel pure in that way. And it feels confusing because we have so many messages from other people and other sources. But when you can get rid of that, when you can really boil down to the truth of what our sexuality is, because it's the one of two things that we all have in common. We all have a body and we all have sexuality. Then it's really the truth of us, the essence, the core of who we are. Now, adding more of a definition on top of that, like more of mm-hmm. the concept of sexuality, the sexuality is our pleasure. It's our desire. It is our health and reproduction. It is our love and connection and intimacy and relationships. It is the way that we make decisions about who we are in our bodies. It is consistent. Mm-hmm. And it is really everything about our life revolves and intertwines with our sexuality. We just were taught that sexuality is who we're attracted to and what we do with our body with those people that we're attracted to. Yeah. And it's like, it's an all encompassing definition, but like our reference to like to your, to the point that you just made our reference to that is a very small, like a very, a fraction of what it really means. Yes. So how did you come to this line of work? Like what made you like, so you're a therapist, you're in practice, like what made you specifically focus on this? Like what was your journey to, you know, this understanding of sexuality? 
So professionally, what I realized that everything just kept coming back to sex at some point. I was always asked a question about it, or it would come up in someone's healing process or in their storytelling of their life. And I realized that as therapists and even medical providers, that we are hardly giving any education about what sex and sexuality is, yet almost every single one of my clients had something that interacted with their sex life and their sexuality. So I wanted to learn more and I wanted to understand more. And I wanted to feel more competent in, in my work and interacting with it. I also wanted to feel very comfortable with the topic because again, if this was coming up in the majority of my client work, then I wanted to, to know my own journey. So when I kind of went back into to my life, one of the things that profoundly affected me was when I was in my early twenties and I had a group of girlfriends that we, there's four of us, And we all had very different backgrounds, very different sex lives, like histories. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we did, and it it was imperfect, but it was the first time I ever had this experience of everyone just came to the table with what we were doing and not doing, what our thoughts were, what our values were. And everyone had autonomy. Everyone had agency. At the time, I didn't know what that word was. And I didn't know that that's what we were doing. And the freedom and the transformation that it gave me to not feel ashamed, to not feel embarrassed, to be able to show up with my truth next to somebody whose truth and, and behaviors and values were different from mine, that changed everything. Because in our sexual world, it is, again, as I've said it several times, it's so confusing. It's so fluid. Mm-hmm. It's so changing. It is so influenced and influential that if you can figure out your agency within sexuality, then it goes into all areas of your life. It goes into relationships. It goes into career. It goes into how you're interacting in your community because it's such a hard place to learn it. And I had that with this group of friends. Mm-hmm. I took it for granted and thought that that was that's what everyone does. Like, oh, when you leave your family of origin and you go on your own, then everyone just talks freely like that. And everyone respects each other's differences. And it wasn't long after that we all moved away from each right. other. I realized, no, that's not it. So fast kind of going back again to where I was in my doctorate program, I decided for my dissertation to see if I could replicate that atmosphere of my friends in an academic class. So I did. And it took a while to get it approved. And when it was approved uh, at an academic course, I was told, I was told no a lot that the mm-hmm. who wants to get near sex and sexuality. This was in 2004. Right. And so there was lots of things have changed since then in the accessibility of sex education. So I, they said, if you could fill it, you know, 20 people, then we'll say, I'll let you do the course. And I filled it within three hours. And then I had a wait list for years every time I taught it. And I saw people are hungry to talk about this. People are really hungry to be asked, what is your sexual story? And people want to be listened to. So why is it so important? Like, why is it so important for people to understand their sexual story? I could probably sum my sexual story up in a couple of sentences. And again, it would probably be related to sexual experience, right? But like, why is it so important for people to understand? Like, what is the benefit of them understanding their sexual story? Yeah. So that's a great question. And actually, surprisingly, not a lot of people ask me that, although it's one of the most important reasons for my work. We need to know who we are as sexual beings, again, because it's one of the few things we all have in common. So with a world with so much difference and dissension, to have something that we have in common that everybody has 
is important to understand it. We've got to know how to have the common language and we have to know how we can connect on our similarities and how we can still connect in our differences. That's one of the reasons why I think Mm -hmm. it's the case. Mm -hmm. Why that sounds weird, why that may not land when people are hearing me say this is because we still have the old rhetoric of what sexuality is. So it's like, I don't really need to connect with people about my sex acts. That's usually the first reaction. (laughs) Like I I can talk with you over a drink about it, but I don't need to connect with you over it. Or it's really, it just seems so far fetched. And it's a shame. It's a shame that that's what we've been taught that our sexuality is because really what we're talking about is how do I connect with you soul to soul? That's really what I'm talking about. So yes, we're talking, it's part of it is sex acts. Yeah, that is. And that's a unique thing. Like when you look at the difference between a roommate and a sexual partner, when you're living together, there's a big difference when you add sex and sexual acts as a part of it, but that's not everything. And to me, then, if you can expand your view and concept of what sexuality is, then you understand that sexuality is really important because it's how we're relating to each other. It's how you know yourself authentically, and it's how you show up to other people, and also how you are in people showing up to to you as themselves. So as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking what you're really talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but what you're really talking about is humanity and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Are those like parts of or equal to kind of how you're defining sexuality? In a bit, yes. In, in part, yes. That's my belief system. And that's my belief of what sexuality is. And again, going back to, I think connection is such a huge reason that we're here. And it, when I work with my clients, when I do like a, a audit of the connections in their life, the ones who have most grounding are the ones who have at least one person or one thing that they feel really connected to. And again, if you're sitting back there going like, okay, I get that, but how does sexuality? If you want to talk about connection, Juliana, okay, that makes sense. But yeah. again, who we are as sexual beings. So now let's put back sex acts into the conversation. Yeah. And the complication of you look at if, if you've had a variety of sexual connections with a person or with several people, then you could probably categorize them into different kinds of sexual connections. Perhaps it's like you've had that experience of it being really hot and passionate. Maybe you've had one that's very performative, that you weren't connected at all, but you're performing for the other person to pretend you have pleasure or to be this person to somebody else. Maybe you've had really disconnected sex through like uh, drinking, and this is the only way that you can connect it in that way. We could go through a whole variety of ways that you're connecting to somebody else. But what are we really connecting? Think back to like the verbiage that we have of like even the archaic concept of virginity, the way that we describe virginity. And by the way, I call it a sexual debut and not virginity, but it's, we talk about it, you're losing it. So what are you actually losing? And there are still people, some people that believe that when you have any kind of like sexual connection, that you are connecting soul to soul. Also, you are exchanging something beyond fluid with each other. If you believe in that, then we're also talking a deeper level of soul to soul as well. Now we can have different layers and different levels of connection and sex acts. But again, if we siphon through all of that, what are we really saying that we're exchanging with one another? Right. So again, as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking, so we're talking, you know, understanding yourself, we're talking about connection, we're talking about vulnerability and How does all of that, like why the term sexuality to describe that, I guess, endlessly curious about this because connection and vulnerability are like my serial, like my jam. And I'm just wondering how, like why the term sexuality, because like sexuality in my mind, and I'm probably for a lot of my listeners is your gender, (laughs) 
you know, how you relate to the opposite sex related to sex acts. Why that term to describe what you're talking about, which really is about being the most human version of yourself. So I think that sexuality is like the final frontier of self-development and self-knowledge. Mm. It's not the only way to learn who you are, but I, I think it's one of the last ones. And I think it's one of the last ones because when you look at sexual health, sexuality, sex acts through the generations and through decades and you know millennia, sex is it is never benign. There's always political mm. views, there's always social views, family views. Yes. Stuff, okay. There's all of that. So if again, like you have, you have to sift through so many messages that are, this is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. This is acceptable. This is unacceptable. And there's lots of places in our life where we have to sift through those kind of values that are put upon us from others. Mm-hmm. But sexuality is really a thread throughout all of this. There's, it's never a topic mm. that people have no opinion on. Gotcha. And so if you're trying to find out more of who you are and authentically, because of the skills you have to learn and go through to say that doesn't gotcha. fit for me, that does fit for me with who we are as a sexual being, then you are really honing your skills as to knowing your authentic self in a much, much deeper way. And when you can claim who you are, and I think the other thing that you've been talking about vulnerability, which is my jam also, when the shame guilt cycle with vulnerability and sexuality is enormous. Mm, Yeah. When you can identify, face and release shame and guilt within your sexual story and your sexual life, that requires a whole lot of vulnerability. It also requires a whole lot of safety. And that also the skill sets it takes to do that work, the ending result is, you know, who you are. And to me, right. who you are is knowing your agency. And gotcha. to me, when you look at the world of agency, because that's really like the biggest thing for me is understanding the concept of agency. When you know who you are, when you have agency in your sexual life, which is one of the hardest places to have agency of all areas of your life. Then again, it goes into all areas of life of having agency. And when you have agency, then you know who you are. Got it. So (laughs) I'm going to come back to agency in a second. So really sexuality being the very core basic of who you are, and you can't leave sex out of that. So is the exploration of sexuality in its broadest sense, very different from men and women based on our cultural exposure? (laughs) You know, it's like, do you work with men very often? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. In, my, in my private practice, it's probably 60%. As oh, interesting. As, as men mm-hmm. uh, male identified. I, you know, it's different. There are definitely differences, especially in, and, and especially when I'm working with white men, there's a difference in, mm-hmm. in general of what we're talking about, but I find it to be pretty unique person to person. And I right. work with, non, uh, with non-binary and transgender individuals also. And everyone has their, their own path to it, but there's certainly themes and trends. And I would say when I particularly work with white men, there's a lot of, and especially lately, there's a lot of feeling very wrong and feeling very confused about like, how do I make sense of my past? And how do I make the choices that feel right for me and feel right in the world moving forward? But that also is not not that unique for everybody. If I work with anybody, like 
you know, 18 on up, everyone feels like they have a history that they want to make sense of. Like when I, so I'll work with people in their seventies and I, gosh, I wish I'd done this work many, many years ago. I'll work with a 19 year old and say, gosh, I wish I'd done this in high school. It's just one of those things that once you get it and it's hard to get, and it's, you can even hear me. It's sometimes it's difficult to explain Explain, it to to others. It's a five page paper rather than a paragraph to explain (laughs) because because there's so many hurdles that I have to overcome to get people to understand it because we're programmed on such a myopic way of looking at what our sexuality is. But when I look at the trends of what I hear from people, it is, I don't want to feel awful about my past. Mm. I don't want to feel different and wrong about my past. And I want to start making decisions based on what I want for myself now and moving forward. And then how do I do that if I ever want to be a sexual being and doing sex acts with other people that they're doing the same thing? I want them to have done their work and done their healing and self-exploration. And I want them to know what they want and what they don't want and come to me as an equal person so that we can, you know, can explore these things moving ahead together. Much harder than you think and not many people do it. Uh, yeah, this is true. Nobody, not many people do it. It's like the 1% um, yes. and the people listening to this podcast. Yes. So as you're describing, and, and I didn't have the word sexuality for it, but you described a, like a lot of my own journey in arriving to this point in life, in midlife, you know, I was like leading up to my fifties where I was like, Whoa, I do not like how, what life was reflecting back to me. I'm not really happy with how I'm showing up. I'm not really, you know, excited and passionate about my life right now. And I feel like there's a lot of women who reach that point at midlife when stuff is starting to shift, like physically your body is now starting to shift and tell you that the way you've been operating is no longer working for you. You need to be, (laughs) you need to be looking at some things. And so I feel like women in midlife coming to you, like that part of understanding your story, your sexual story, well, sex included in that, but understanding the story of your family, your work, your everything, like how you've showed up in life is so critically important at this point in life, because it's like freeing yourself from like what you talked about, shame, guilt, obligation, and being able to refocus on yourself is what you need to be setting yourself up for the next chapter of your life. Like this is the chapter where you shine, right? And you can't be shining when you're carrying all this crap with you on the journey. So give me an example of how you take people through this story. Like what are some of the things that you would help them to, because like I said to you at the beginning of this conversation, I was like, okay, my sexual story is the guy that in, (laughs) right. And as you're talking, I'm like, oh, okay. I just didn't have that terminology for it, but it really was the excavation of my life from the time I was a kid up to this point to understand what's working for me and what's not. Mm-hmm. So like, what are some of the things that you help women work through as they unpack their sexual story? Yeah. You know, when you said that earlier, I wanted to say to you, but I knew we'd, we'd eventually get to this place. I wanted to say, <laughs> yeah. if not just a few sentences, I know we have a, we work together, we'd have a novel and it'd be a beautiful oh, yeah. And to me, one of the most exciting things is when I can work with somebody and we have completed the excavation of their sexual journey. And it's like they have pride and release. And they're like, yeah, Mm. 
Yeah, here it is. That's right. That is right. There's the stuff that doesn't feel good. It didn't feel good at the time, but it is what it is. And that is the good news. I love that experience. And then here's the good stuff. Like, so I had this course called Revealed is the, is the mainstay of, of my work. This is where I take people through their journey. And it is a combination of macro and micro. So we're often looking at topics. We look at it in a large sense, like in society, how they look at it and then how it's over an overview of your whole life. And then we break it into very macro pieces. So the first thing we do is we do a timeline. And when I first work with people on timeline, oh my gosh, like how in the world do I start the timeline of me from birth until now? Right. And it's a process. We do it over a long period of time, but we just begin the process. And to me, it's so exciting to see how people start tackling their life. And I don't give them very much description at first. Then I start giving a lot of details of how we do it. Some people will do like a photographic journey that represent who they were as a sexual being. Some people do a Google spreadsheet. I would like tape together pieces of paper and tape it to my wall. I had somebody that took took over their whole kitchen and each cabinet was a different decade of their life and they had sticky notes. Mm-hmm. And as soon as stories would come up for them, they would put it on that way. And I'd like it to be a tangible, visible thing that they start looking at their life because at the end, what I want is that feeling of like, yeah, so this is yeah. me. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't yeah. all of this beautiful? And all of this makes sense to where I am right now, instead of this is the part I don't want to look at, or this is yeah. you know, even yeah. the hard stuff that's obvious, which we all have. So we do that. We do a timeline. And then I break it into holistic sexuality, which is 10 different parts. And we start like the first deep dive is what I call it. And we look into sensuality. So I teach you what sensuality is in the context of sexuality. And I have questions. It's usually about 25 to 30 questions within each topic. And you didn't answer. And most of these questions are questions you've never been asked before. Mm. And again, really exciting when I see people looking at the questions. They're like, oh, I don't know. Huh? I'm not sure. And some of them seem obvious and then others, they grow. And so you'll be two deep dives later. And you're like, you know what? You know, when you asked me that question about how do I like to touch somebody else? Now I know. Sometimes there's a grieving process of, you know, I have no idea. I don't know this about myself. How can I be 55? And I've never, ever asked this of myself or, or no one's ever asked me this. And what I say is, okay, yeah. All right. Let's be curious and let's find mm-hmm. this out better now then I think goodness is happening now. It's okay. It didn't happen before yeah. because most of us weren't. I start off every course saying you are owed an apology. You were not properly sex educated and now you will be. Right. And what feels exciting is instead of this being, because I used to call it um, be your own sex expert, because what I wanted was I want, I didn't want to be everyone's expert that I was just sitting here tolling out advice to everybody and telling you how you should be. I wanted to teach people how to make sexuality work for them and how mm. to find their own sexuality on their own terms. And now it's become revealed because I, I really love the, the imagery of revealing yeah. who you are to yourself. So we go through these 10, uh, nine on the outside, there's nine different topics. And then the hub of it is agency. Because to me, agency is the beginning and the end of all things sexuality. And it's the most important skill set in examining your history so that you are not taking on shame and guilt into this next chapter, like you're talking about so that you can shine. Yeah. And it's also, it's, uh, it is reactive agency is reactive and it helps heal, but it's also proactive and preventative that it helps you. Once you understand agency, it helps you prevent a lot of the harm ahead and not repeating old patterns. Then after right. we do all that, we write stories. So we go back again to the micro and you take little snapshots within each topic and you write a very full story. By the end of the course, you have at least 20 stories 
stories from your sexual journey and you pick two of them. And I have a very special way of how you read your story, write it and read it. And then you have it witnessed. And I'm really particular when you're doing it in a group about how people respond to what your story is. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more powerful than telling a truth that you haven't really ever said out loud before and having people witness it but respect that you have your own agency of how to handle it. And there's no judgment and there's no, you don't know what people are thinking about it, which is incredibly different because typically when we share bits and pieces of our sexual stories, we're used to like a high five or like tears, uh, that kind of thing. And that's wonderful to have support like that. But really what's more powerful is having the agency of not having people's opinions about what your story is so that Mm. you can get to that place of it is what it is. And this is my truth. And this is me moving forward as well. Right. So just going back to your questions for a second, like what's an example of some of the questions that you have never been asked before? So I will go back to sensuality. Yeah. So when I, I teach, there's four times that like types of touch that you can have that are kind of basic mm-hmm. information. And I teach them how to do it. I show them what the four are, and then they are to answer. What is your favorite way to be touched? And what is your favorite way to touch mm-hmm. others? So mm-hmm. are you somebody that likes to have like light movement? Are you somebody that likes slapping or, or scraping? Are you somebody that likes like a firm touch? Now that may not be like, if you've had a massage, you've been asked, do you want it right. lighter or firmer? That's not a unique question, but it is unique to say, what do you like on your head? What do you like on your genitals? What do you like giving, um, putting on somebody's back? What do you like in uh, holding somebody's hand? Let's right. get specific about that. Another question that people are not often asked is that a pleasure is one of the deep dives is what's your relationship with pleasure? Mm. Are you somebody that is, you deprive yourself of pleasure and then you overindulge? What is your relationship with pleasure and what is your pleasure um, style and pattern? Yeah, those are fantastic questions. And I specifically love the one about pleasure because that is something that I have been exploring for myself in in all the contexts because like I kind of grew up with a, and I'm sure many of us did, <laughs> you work hard in school, go to a good college, get a job, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard until you retire. And pleasure is something that you put off and you put off and you put off. And then I, I had this realization a while ago where I'm just like, wow, like, what am I putting it off for? Like, when, when exactly do I allow myself to have the reward of pleasure? And like, what kind of an existence is it that I, you know what I mean? That I can always put that off. And it's really caused me to restructure my life in ways <laughs> that allow time and space for that. And that has opened up things for me that I didn't even know were there, like creativity, right? Yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. You've had that journey too. I love that. It makes, it makes an enormous difference, right? Instead of like, I, I, it's so many people, their pleasure is put off until a vacation or yeah. retirement. It's, yeah. it's something later. It can't be a day-to-day thing. And that we only really associate pleasure with our sexual acts mm. instead of pleasure in our life, in yes. our day-to-day life. I was exposed to this beautiful woman named Sussy, and she has this concept called Bliss Buddies. And I started doing this. She pairs up people. Uh, and I have a Bliss Buddy myself who's this amazing woman out in California. And every single day, or almost every single day, we write each other text message. And it's either a picture or a description of something that's given us a little bit of bliss for that day, mm. for a pleasure. It's a, it's a pleasure focus. It's similar like to a gratitude buddy, but it's something, it has really changed how I incorporate bliss or pleasure into my day-to-day mm-hmm. life. 
And it's fascinating hearing somebody else's bliss. So what I would like, I've learned how like, oh yeah, that can be a blissful moment or that can be something that brings me pleasure by having an intimate view into someone else's definition of it and experience of it. I recommend it highly. And you can do that with pleasure inside and outside the bedroom and with people who are platonic in your life or people who are in your relationship Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, because I think like joy and pleasure is something that like it's been termed like as frivolous. It's like an unnecessary thing, but it's a luxury, luxury, right? Like if you have time, but we all know there's not time, like there's always work to be done. Right. But it's so crucial to us experiencing ourselves and our lives. Like I can't even say this enough. Like one of the things like, you know, just for you guys who are listening, like one of the things that I love is the water. Right. So a couple of summers ago, I bought myself a paddleboard and I would start my day not all the time, but like I would start my day or at some point in the day, I would take my board down to the water and I would paddle out to the middle of the lake and I would literally just sit there. And for me, that was just like so blissful. But when I came back from that, like, you know, my creativity was on fire. I was super productive. I was so much nicer to people. I was nicer to myself. Like my whole day was better for that 30 minutes or 45 minutes of joy of bliss. Right. And yeah, it's just so far reaching. Like I can't even stress it enough. <laughs> That's the definition of why sexuality is important. And again, that feels weird. When I look at like the foundation of those nine parts on the outside and sexuality on the inside, sensuality and pleasure are to me the bridge way to our essence. Everything else informs it within sexuality, but pleasure and sensuality bridge very easily to the essence of who we are, our core sexuality, because sensuality and pleasure demand that you're in your present mindfulness. And so when you're present and when you're mindful like that, what you're just talking about is such Mm -hmm. a beautiful example. What I hear is you were connecting with your core. Absolutely. Connected with your essence and your core. To me, what I define as sexuality, then everything was on fire. There's a belief system. Like if you believe in chakras, that sexuality and creativity are very much aligned too. So it makes so much sense to me that as you connected with that, then you were on fire in that way. So beautiful. You do that for yourself. I love it. Well, you know, and for me, like, it's really like soul connection again. Like when we talk about sexuality and soul, I'm kind of like almost using those synonymously, like as, as you're talking, I'm kind of putting those together. And I think like, I have this thing now it's like, got a problem, take it to the lake. Right. Because like, what it. makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> I know what makes no sense to me when I'm sitting in my office makes complete sense to me when I happen to be sitting on my board in the middle of the lake. Right. Like, it's, you know, like I can get so much stuff done. In fact, I actually had to start taking my phone with me. I had, to, I used to not take my phone because I was like, I don't want the, but now there was so much stuff coming out that I was like, I need to take it down. I got me a waterproof case for that one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I just had to capture it. Because by the time I paddle back to shore, I'm like, what was that again? (laughs) You know, (laughs) so I love that the line of questioning. And I love the fact that you've put this all into a program because my coming to some of these journeys has been like higgledy piggledy. It's just been thing all over the place. So I love that you have this packaged into a program, but let's dive into agency. Yeah. And what that means and how it impacts your life. Cause I think this is a really important topic for, and I'm going to say, I think it's for everybody, but I think especially us as women who have not generally been taught what agency is or what it looks like for us. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you're asking about it. It's, it is such a passionate concept for me. And I, understanding agency, it changed my life and it saved my life. Truly, mm. it did. The first sentence that I say to explain it is that agency is a noun, a verb, a concept, and a skill. 
And it, mm. because it's so many different things, it's complicated to talk about. And uh, you're hearing it more and more now. I'm even hearing it being used on TV shows now, which is very exciting. But I also feel like, oh, 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 oh we've got to make sure we're talking the same thing here. Like I, I want to like get out to the masses. Like let's all understand what agency is. And I'm curious to see if it resonates, my view, if it resonates with you uh, mm. and with your listeners. So I'm going to talk about the skill of agency first. It's, it's usually the easiest way to talk about it. And I'm going to forewarn you, when I give you my five steps of agency, it's going to sound so obvious and (laughs) very baseline, but it's not. So the first thing is, is that you have to know that there's a decision to be made. So you have to understand that you're walking into a situation where there is something to be decided. Second, you have to feel that you are, you have to feel confident that you are able to make good decisions. You have competency in decision-making. Third is you have to make the decision itself. You cannot be indecisive. You make the decision. Fourth is that you can live with the intended and unintended consequences of those decisions. Hmm. And fifth is how, what meaning you make of everything ahead of that. So once everything has gone through and the decision has been played out, then do you go back and go like, yeah, I make good decisions. The world is fair. And I got this, I got this for the next time. Or do you feel protective and hurt? Do you go back and say, no, I don't make a decisions or the world sucks. And this isn't going to, you know, all of this, do I start deferring to other people? Do I start questioning everything that my instinct and what I think is right? And then we cycle back again in all of that. And what we want is we want to get to the place. And when you're in agency, and that's not the only thing of agency, I'll get to like an agency mm-hmm. advance mm-hmm. in a minute, but in the basics of that, Again, sounds really obvious. When you look at it in general, agency in general, you can start looking at places in your life where at least one of the first four was not activated and and not really in its full form. And that's places where there's healing or harm or hurt. Typically, you can go back and figure Mm -hmm. out which one it is. Then we've accumulated a lifetime of what that meaning, that fifth part of the meaning making of ourselves and our decision making. That's where a lot of the work is. And to me, when somebody, especially a woman, gets to that place of unraveling that, which is why I think looking at our history is so important and why it's the hub of my work when we look at our sexual history, that's when you release that and that shame and that guilt and that hurt and you can find ownership and agency inside of those stories, even the stories that are obviously where agency has been taken from you with trauma you get that shine that you're speaking about. You get that that Mm. place on your own terms, on your story that you have decided and you can reclaim things and not drag so much of it into the next chapter. And to me, it's all through the concept and the skill of agency. So, and I just want to unpack the word agency for a second in case people aren't familiar with that. So what you're really saying with agency is like creating... What I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is creating awareness to be able to make a choice, right? Like you're not just reacting or being forced into or doing it out of habit, that you're actually getting to a place where you're making a choice about what comes next. You're making a decision. Mm -hmm. Purpose and intention. Purpose Mm -hmm. and intention. I love that. Okay. That's a big part of it. But agency started becoming something really important to me when I had this one question of, like, I was having enough stories from people that... I'd meet two, and particularly in the beginning, it was, it was with women, and they'd have very similar sexual histories. One would be filled with guilt and shame and remorse and just felt awful about their sexual history. And the other woman who had almost the exact same history would feel fine and great. And like, who cares? Like, you know, 
whatever, I made better choices now, or I don't care about that. Like that's part of what makes me me. And I started asking these questions and it, it started coming back to choice. When people felt they had choice, purposeful and intentional choice in either sex acts, sexual relationships, or the other part of holistic sexuality, that's when they felt okay or good about Mm. their experiences and their journey and their overall story. But then when I really kind of dove in further, it was the fourth part of sexual agency that really became super clear to me, which is where we're not taught. A lot of it's like, what do you do when you've made a purposeful, intentional decision? You feel good about your decision-making, you make the damn decision and then things go to shit. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you make Mm -hmm. sense when bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. When you've picked a good partner and it ends in this horrible divorce, when you have, you know, you think you've made this really good career decision and then you're fired, like all those kinds of things. How do we live with ambiguity of our decision-making? And ambiguity is like that in between, it's like a three and a half. So after you've made Mm -hmm. the decision and you've got these unintended, unintended consequences, ambiguity is one of the most important skills you could have with in agency. And it's considered one of the highest levels of skills to have in like, human development is the ability to have tolerance and ambiguity. We saw this more than anything during the pandemic. And we had a global ambiguity and we saw how much right. we were a mess during a lot of that. Those who understand ambiguity, some people will describe it as those who have already experienced crisis and trauma and horrific tragedy then they describe people who have been in that as having this different skill set. But really what a lot of people who've had that kind of trauma have experienced is they've learned to live in ambiguity. Crisis and trauma and tragedy make you, force you to have to figure out and confront the experience of ambiguity, which is an existential, difficult, soul level kind of um, yeah. experience to have. Yeah. And when you get that, and that's that's also like why I said like um, agency saved my life. It changed my life and it saved my life. I had a horrific, horrific divorce that like made like the news and it was just this horrible kind of experience. And my ex-husband's attorney really went after all the things that made me like a whole person and a whole woman like, was a lot of the things that I'd done in agency. And so because I had already had been working this skill a lot in my life, I think if I hadn't, it would have absolutely destroyed me because they hit everything about that was important to me. Mm-hmm. But because I could keep going back to this concept of who I am and knowing who I am and going through my decision-making process and reliving that and revamping it and protecting myself in that, it absolutely didn't. And in fact, it anchored me even further and it became something that backfired on them. But had I not had that, I think I would have, I don't even know if I'd be here. It was that difficult and destructive. Yeah. And I can't relate to that specific story, but like, you know, I arrived at the age of 50, like just before my 50th birthday, got divorced. My kid left home, got kind of booted out of a very long career. And I was, you know, bedridden with a stress-related illness. And so basically I was like lying on my bed going, who am I and what do I want? And I realized as I was, you know, not, it was not like an overnight thing. It was many, many months of lying there feeling sorry for myself. (laughs) Those are brave questions. But I realized that I hadn't been super intentional about how I'd gotten here. I had just arrived here, right? It was like, you know, I kind of followed the steps that I thought I was supposed to follow, but at no point I was going like, okay, when did I make the decision to do this? When did I make the decision? And I realized I didn't, I didn't actually, like you said, purposefully and intentionally make the decisions that got there. And that was the point where I was like, when I awoke to that, I was like, oh, now I am going to choose. 
Like I am going to be very intentional about the choices for my life because I had just like life just swept me away. Like, and I find that's true for so many of us, right? So many, so many of us. And it's also something that we weren't taught how to make decisions, weren't taught and given the space as children to have agency and to learn what that's like, to hone that skill and to learn to live with the consequences so that you have more confidence to make a decision. So many women. So choice was one of the things that came up in my research. And the other was the phrasing. It it just happened. It just happened. It just happened. just happened, which then kind of goes back to knowing there's a decision to be made, which yes. again, when you hear it, it sounds so obvious. Like, yeah, I know there's a decision to be made, but not when you had the bravery, like you had to go back and say, but did I, but yes. did I, where was I in that decision? When that was happening, I just kind of went along with it. And there's the, for me, the, when I've had those realizations, I grieve a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. oh, Yeah. But then move through and, and I stand in the, just the affirmation of agency of like, but now I can do this differently. Yes. And now I do have that. And I keep going back to shoring up my skills of, you know, when there's a decision to be made and you can make good decisions and you can live if it goes to shit or not, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Trusting yourself. That's right. Trusting yourself and trusting you can handle this kind of stuff in the world because it's going to happen. One kind of last thing mm-hmm. about agency. I know we're kind of running out of time is that <laughs> I think there's an important difference between empowerment and agency mm. and empowerment is a skill set along the way coming to a person who is fully in their agency. You have to have empowerment. I love empowerment. I think it's a little overused at this point and we hear it everywhere Yeah. where I think the most critical place that the two concepts diverge is empowerment is a lot more individual. So when you're feeling empowered and when you like move to that place of like, yes, I can do this. And that's wonderful. And again, you have to get to that place to believe in yourself so you can be purposeful and intentional, but there's a limit to where empowerment allows you to be in a community. So I've worked with so many mm. people that become empowered and they're like, yes, but where's the relationship that can handle that kind of empowerment? Where is the community and society that's going to support that empowerment and that detail? Well, that's where agency comes into play. Because when you're fully in agency, your empowerment doesn't threaten mine. Your values and what the details of your agency is something that can coexist next to mine. Now, there's some rules about harming Mm -hmm. others pressing others that that doesn't, that's not related to this. But when you're speaking outside of that, it is, again, it may sound obvious, but it can be really hard if you and I are living in our agency and making decisions and purposeful and it conflicts, how do we still stay in relationship with each other in a meaningful way and not harm each other's agency or diminish our own agency in order to be in connection and soul to soul with somebody else? And, And the answer is agency allows that empowerment does not to me. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I hadn't thought about it that way. Again, I didn't have the right terminology for it, but I think you just articulated it beautifully. And I mean, if that isn't playing out in the world today, I don't know what is. Yeah. Like, you know, like in a few sentences, you just summed up our entire, our entire worldview right now. <laughs> I love this. And I'm so glad we had this conversation because I coming into it and I will say that I was like, okay, sexuality. And I knew there was stuff in there, but I was like, okay, I can't wrap my head around it. And I'm like coming out of the other side of this conversation going, got it. And what I love about your work is, like I said, my journey through a lot of this stuff was very kind of, oh, we're going this way now. And it wasn't kind of very linear and it's taken years. And I love that you have packaged this into a program called Revealed because I literally 
characterize my the last five years of my life as basically revealing myself, like finding myself, revealing myself to me more than anything, right? right. And the fact that you've packaged this up into this beautiful program is it's incredible. It's incredible work that you're doing in the world. So anyone listening, if you came into this conversation going, sexuality, what? I hope you've had some of the epiphanies and ahas that I have along this way. And so if people want to find out more about you and your program, where is the best place for them to connect with you? Because I know there's going to be questions. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And I love questions. I'm on social media, on all platforms is Dr. Juliana Hauser. And then my, I have a newsletter that has the most, if you want to get the most information from me is through my newsletter. Uh, and if you go on my website uh, and it'll be captured, just sign up for the newsletter and you'll hear a lot of what my beliefs are and my thoughts are and, and what I'm doing out in the media, uh, in the courses that I'm doing. I work with people individually and I work with people in my educational courses too. Yeah. Because you've done a lot of media work on this, right? Like I know you've been in some, like, I think some pretty high level media publications and like, do a lot of people kind of come to it? Like I did going head scratching, but then like, is that kind of how it, 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 it goes? <laughs> It can be hard to capture it in sound bites, yeah. but I'm grateful for the media outlets that have tried, but it takes a conversation like this. And I can't thank you enough for being brave enough to have the conversation and, and to say, like, I don't know where we're going with this or even what the hell she's talking about, but <laughs> I'm going to do it. And so I, I'm just so grateful because I think it's really important. And I think it's so important to be able to stand there with like, I don't really know if I agree with you or if I know what you're saying, but I'm going to listen. And I'm going to ask you questions questions. Mm. That's the most important part of this kind of discussion or we can't change it. Right. And I'm just one person in the world that's, this is just my opinion and my way of looking at it. But I have seen, I've seen the course and I've seen the concept change my life and change other people's lives um, of all genders mm. all over the world. I teach people how to teach revealed is in eight countries right now. Oh, amazing. And I can't tell you how exciting it was to hear this in other languages, to hear this in other cultures, that again, sexuality is universal. We all have it and we all have healing uh, and learning that we need to do within it. And I'm grateful just to be one voice in it. But I got to say, it must be fascinating to watch how your program goes in different cultures. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. It's like yeah. you're coming with whole other sets of you know, like perspectives Cultural that we, we couldn't possibly, I would, uh, that must be so fascinating for you to watch. Yeah. It was interesting to know like, the first time that it went out of the, out of the U.S. I was like, Ooh, you know, is this just a Westernized way of looking at if I'm just, if I'm just being very like North American in this and, and it, it hasn't, it's translated so much. And I work with my facilitators to make sure there's cultural competency in there. In Israel and in Finland, the term agency was not translatable. So we had to do a lot of work and conversation to talk about what is agency in their mm. culture and what word can we even use. And even in Finland, the word revealed was difficult to even name the course in the same way. There wasn't a direct translation. So even those kind of things are kind of fun oh, to cool. dive But culturally, I love it. And it, even within North America, there's so many cultural differences and socioeconomic differences. And it's been really important to me that this doesn't become a very classist kind of education and mm -hmm. this is for everybody. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm starting to work with a group of female clergy doing a thing of revealed uh, because sexuality within religion and um, as religious yeah. leaders, big deal. Um, I'm also with an organization in California to start putting this in prisons to work with inmates Amazing. and those who have been incarcerated for over 20 years and are transitioning out. There's so much baggage within sexuality. How can we do that? So they have some release and they have, they get to release shame uh, before they're getting out into the world and they're a new chapter. So really oh, exciting. Yeah. I just got goosebumps when you were talking about all of that, like 
such important work. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us. You know, again, everybody go check out Dr. Juliana's work. I think it's so important and that you've packaged it so beautifully as this journey is amazing. So everybody go check that out. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.